Welcome everyone to Tamriel Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamriel. I'm your host, Eric, aka Silvior, and today we are going to be looking at a Daedric Prince that might not be super well known, but he's definitely out there, and I definitely think that there are quests of his that are worth doing. Um, and we'll get into that here in a bit, but before we get to that, there is a little bit of news. Um, not a whole lot, but there are a couple of things that I would like to talk about. So first up is an article from MSN, and there is a new Elder Scrolls board game that is in the works. Now, there is one that is out there right now, if you were wanting to check that out, but this one is going to be a brand new one. So the first one takes place during the events of Skyrim. And this one, it looks like it's going to take place during the events of Elder Scrolls Online. So it is going to be called Beyond the Second Era. Elder Scrolls Beyond the Second Era. So that looks like it's going to be really cool. Um, yeah, it says here that it will take place across Tamriel during the events called the the event called the Plane Meld, which is the main story of Elder Scrolls Online. That whole event is called the Plane Meld. So I'm looking forward to this. Um, I don't play board games as much as I should, but it's definitely something that my wife and I like to do here and there, particularly trivia games. But we do enjoy a good board game. Board game, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, we do enjoy a good board game here and there, especially when we've got guests over. So... Yeah, um, that'll be fun. So there is a board game shop close by to where I live, so I'll have to keep an eye out on that. And I will give you guys more information when it becomes available. So the second thing is something you've probably already seen. The pre-order for Ghostwire Tokyo is active now. This game launches on March 25th, and there is a new trailer out there. Definitely check it out. Um, I feel like a lot more of the attention was placed on Deathloop than, you know, compared to Ghostwire Tokyo, but I think both games sound really cool. Um, yeah, so unfortunately I don't think I'll be able to play it because from my understanding it's going to be a PlayStation exclusive. Well, now I take that back. It's going to be on PC, but it's not going to be on Xbox, at least starting out. So... Yeah, um, definitely, definitely check it out. Ghostwire Tech Tokyo is definitely a game worth looking into. So, next up is an interview with the about the Elder Scrolls lore, and this is also an MSN article. But basically, it says that we're not gonna find out what happened to the Dwemer, or at least in Elder Scrolls Online. So, yeah, there's this. This is an interview with lead writer Bill Slavicus or Slavisek, I think is how you pronounce that. Um, this is about Elder Scrolls Online, and um, also lore master Layman Tuttle is involved in this interview, and it's about uh, High Isle. And he says that they chose the Bretons because they haven't done much with them since the launch of the game. And when they were looking into what to do next, like, well, okay, what haven't we done? So there are 
chapters that are focused on the Nords. There's chapters focused on the Dark Elves, the Khajiit. Not so much the Bretons. So hopefully, um, hopefully they'll get into the Red Guards soon as well. Um, they even have a, a DLC focused in uh, Black Marsh, so they kind of did the Argonians also. So, <clears throat> but they do say that they're not going to touch the Dwemer. They won't step, quote, anywhere near the Dwemer. And, you know, I kind of think that, um, in a sense, Bethesda like its, likes its secrets. So there, there's at least one bit of lore that they like to keep close to the vest. And with Elder Scrolls, it's the whole what happened to the Dwemer thing, you know. Nobody knows what happened to the Dwemer except apparently Todd Howard. He knows what happens to the, what happened to the Dwemer, but he's not telling anybody. And as far as I know, he said he won't tell anybody. And with Fallout, it's who dropped the first nuke. You know, or who shot the first nuke off, whether it was the U.S. or China or possibly aliens. Nobody knows. And I doubt that we'll ever find that out also. So, I don't know. Um, it's kind of like, you know, once the mystery's solved, it might be one of those things, like, once the mystery's solved, it's kind of like, eh, that was it? Okay. Um... Who knows? You know, maybe it is something really spectacular. Or it could have just been that, you know, there, there are a few possibilities out there that people have discussed over the years. But I think the mystery just kind of makes it all the more intriguing, you know? So, at this point, yeah, I would like to know what happened to the Dwemer. But at the same time, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. So, that's that's my take on it. So, all right, finally in the news, they're, like I mentioned in the last episode, they are going to be doing these character uh, behind, you know, character stories for characters that are in the High Isle chapter leading up to the release of it. And the first one is out now. It's a character named Jakarn. And Jakarn is. A Breton who is more often than not a scoundrel, <clears throat> so you'll probably cross paths with him many times over the course of the story. And it says here that he is a thief who, who fancies himself as an irresistible romantic. So apparently he kind of fancies himself as a ladies' man also. So, or maybe not a ladies' man, who knows? I haven't met the character yet, but, um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. But apparently he's spent time in Stros Mackay in a prison cell, from what they, this uh, writer has heard, <clears throat> and afterward became a part of a privateer's crew, uh, Captain Kalian's crew to be exact, though I hear she's reformed these days, so maybe uh, he's trying to put himself on the right side of the law. So, yeah. Um, I'm, of course, going to leave the link for this article in the show notes there. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing this. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this chapter. Um, this whole article, though, is mostly a 
letter written to Lady Arabelle uh, from Sabinet Mavine, the ambassador to the court of Wayrest. So, yeah, um, it's it's worth reading up on character bios just to kind of familiar familiarize yourself with these characters before you hop in there and be like, okay, who the hell is this? So, yeah, it's definitely uh, worth a read. And again, High Isle, I'm sorry, the first uh, the first DLC for the High Isle chapter drop, or the uh, Breton storyline drops on March 14th on uh, PC, Mac, and Stadia, and March 29th for Xbox Placed and PlayStation. And of course, the first DLCs are typically um, dungeon DLCs, but still, you know, they're definitely worth playing. They're fun. Um, there's definitely a story to the Dungeon Delve DLCs. So yeah, be on the lookout for that. And as far as what I've been playing lately, I've definitely been playing Elder Scrolls Online. <clears throat> I need to do more of the Dark Brotherhood storyline. I kind of stopped doing that for a bit. It, you know, it's just so, you know, I can only take having a high bounty so much, but um, I do need to finish that. I think I'm getting fairly close to the end of it. I could be wrong. But I've also been going back and doing the zone stories for the Evanheart pack. I am in Deshaun right now, so I'm dealing with the Malborn Plague. So that's been fun. As far as other things that I've been playing, um, I'm playing. I find myself playing a lot of Mortal Kombat lately, both number, uh, both Mortal Kombat X and Mortal Kombat 11. Um, I like playing something like like playing a movie or a TV show in the background while I'm playing. It's hard for me to just sit there and you know play something um, without noise in the background. So, and that, that goes for a lot of things, um, like when, when I'm doing dishes or when I'm, you know, just cleaning in general. I like to have something to listen to. And I've been playing um, Fallout New Vegas for the Fallout feed. Um, the the uh, round table has started up again, and we are playing New Vegas, so I am taking part in that once again. So, uh, check out the Fallout feed, their first... Um, you know, um, quest um, recap happens tonight with our feedback. Um, as I'm recording this, it is uh, February 11th, so I am actually going to be on the show tonight, um, February 11th, so check that out. We're going to be talking about the first quests in Good Springs for the feedback episode. So, um, if I'm playing something that I have to follow along and listen to a lot of dialogue, I like playing something um, that I don't have to actively listen to, like whether it's wrestling or a TV show I've listened to a lot, and I know what happens. But I recently got into Doctor Who, so I've been watching a lot of the new Doctor Who. I'm up to the 12th Doctor. I think I'm in the middle of, cha of uh, Season 9 right now. So I want to be able to listen, actively listen to that, and I don't want to be bogged down with a bunch of dialogue in whatever game I'm playing. Uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm... I, I, I swear I do have ADHD. Um, 
So if I'm wanting to play something that I don't have to actively listen to, why not Mortal Kombat or the fighting game? So yeah, I've been playing a lot of Mortal Kombat lately. Um, I started playing the Bard's Tale again. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this game, but it is, uh, it's a really, it's a fairly old game. I think it first came out on Xbox, the original Xbox. Um, like, I think it was around 2004, but it follows a character named the Bard. Um, and it's kind of like a, a fantasy story. Um, it's kind of like a, a comedic take on the whole fantasy RPG genre. Um, I don't know why my Alexa just went off. Okay. Um, but the character, I believe, is played by Carrie Elways. You know, the As You Wish guy from The Princess Bride. That guy. Um, and the narrator is Tony J. And he's a very famous voice actor slash, you know, standard you know, TV actor from back in the day. And he's one of those people, at least according, you know, in, in my mind, he's one of those people that when you see them or you hear their voice, you immediately know who they are, but you might not know what their name is. But he hates the bard character. Like, he makes fun of the, the bard. Like, if the bard dies, he'll just sit there laughing at him. Like, oh, that was great. Um, it, it's really funny. And uh, let's see, what else have I been playing lately? Um, I played a little bit more of Assassin's Creed 2, which is a game I got really, really far in and never finished. So I'm, you know, playing it on Xbox now, and I plan on finishing it this time. So, um, yeah, I have a very bad habit of getting very far in games and then never finishing. I don't know if I just get burnt out or what. But, um, yeah, I've been playing more of uh, Assassin's Creed 2. I've got the Ezio Trilogy on Xbox, which the Ezio Trilogy is coming to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, there were rumors about that, and apparently that's true. It's coming out, I think, next month, March. So, uh, if you would like to play that on the Switch, there you go. Um, Another game that I found myself playing quite a bit recently is Cyberpunk 2077. Now, I personally really love Cyberpunk. I don't think it deserves nearly the amount of shit that's thrown at it. It's a really fun game with a lot of deep lore, a lot of deep um, characters in the game. And I had already beaten the game once as a male street kid. Now... I loved it so much that I created not one, but two more characters. I created a male nomad because I really wanted to see what it was like playing as a nomad. Even though once you get into the game, after the intro, there isn't really a lot unique about the uh, life paths that you have had or that you have with this game aside from some... Um, dialogue options that are unique to that. Um, but the character that I've been playing as mostly now is a female corpo. Um, it just seemed like the opposite to the male street kid. Now, I will say that I wish that there were more romance options with, this, with these games. Because basically what they do is they give you 
a straight relationship option, and then they give you a, um, a same-sex uh, kind of uh, relationship option. And then I, I want to say there's one that's that goes either way. I could be wrong on that. Um, but with the male street kid, I you know went with the straight option, which was Pan Am. Um, with this one, I'm going to go, you know, the female corpo, I'm going to go with Judy. So, sorry, um, is it River? I think the cop's name is. It's been a while since I've encountered him. Um, <laughs> that's just me. Um, I, I mean, I know a lot of guys who just absolutely love Judy, and I'm like, yeah, Judy doesn't go for guys, so, you know, take for that what you will. Um, but yeah, Cyberpunk is such a great game. I wish more people gave it a chance. It just had a really bad stigma with the way that it launched. Which can be said for a lot of games. I know a lot of people who still say Fallout 76 is a trash game, and it's not. Um, it's a, it's a really good game. Like, I, that's one of the things that pisses me off about social media you know, anytime Bethesda posts something, they're like, why don't you give us a, a good Fallout game, unlike the last two? And I'm like, the last two are good. What the, What are you talking about? Or, like, Marvel's Avengers. It has such a bad stigma that people are still heaping trash on it. And I personally really liked the main story for Marvel's Avengers. I didn't really get into any of the multiplayer with it, but I really enjoyed the story for Marvel's Avengers. And now there's even more to play. There's a whole Black Panther story. There's a Hawkeye story. And I think that they're adding... If they haven't already, they, they're working on Clint Barton. Um, not Kate Bishop. And they're constantly adding stuff to the game. So here, here's what people need to understand about Marvel's Avengers. All of the add-ons for the game are free. The only thing that they sell in their online store is cosmetics. That's it. It's the same with Fallout 76, really. Like, all of the story add-ons that they introduce are free. The only thing that are really in the shop are cosmetics. Well, aside from crafting stuff, um scrap kits and help packs and stuff like that but you get what I'm saying um, I, I just wish people didn't act so entitled but I'm going to get off that soapbox or a Braxo box based on um, what we're talking about Yeah, I, I, I would think it's a soapbox since this is an Elder Scrolls show and um, yeah I think that's really all that I've been playing lately um, actually, I did try Dante's Inferno, and god damn, that game is hard. Um, I had to stop. <laughs> I was just getting super frustrated. Um, it was a game that I really wanted to play at the time when it came out, but it is really difficult. Um, but yeah, um, I'm, I'm probably going to play some other games here pretty soon, like Halo Infinite. Oh, um... I forgot to mention I recently picked up uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance. The ultimate edition of that game was on sale recently for $10 and I've heard a lot of I've heard uh, Rick McVick from uh, GameStack talking about this game and he had some really funny stories 
about uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance, so I wanted to check that out. So I have played a little bit of it. I, I'm not going to really get into the story too much, but let's just say I played through the uh, introduction to the game. And uh, I'm now outside of the starting city that you, or the starting village. So, yeah, um, I am going to now get into the main segment of the game and start talking about Periite. So, uh, just a second, let's get into the main topic. Alright guys, so let's talk Periite. So, once again, I'm getting my information from the UESP article. And as with most of these articles, there is a quote here at the beginning, and this is from Kesh the Clean. It says, He is the pus in the wound, O proper ones curl their noses, but it's pus that drinks foul humors and restores the blood. I worship Periite, yes, because sometimes the world can only be cleansed by disease. So that should tell you right there that Periite is the Daedric Lord of Pestilence and Disease. So he's one of the 17 Daedric Princes that dwell within the realm of Oblivion. And his sphere of influence includes tasks, natural order, not to be confused with the perfect order of Jigalag, contamination, and pestilence. Periite's sphere is described as ordering the lowest orders of Oblivion. He is also known as the Taskmaster, the Blighted Lord, the Phantom, sorry, the Lord of Infection and Pestilence, and Bringer of Disease and Pestilence, the Lord of Natural Order, and the Master of Tasks, the Lord of Abundant Pus and Bountiful Vomit. So yeah, that last one is, uh, yeah, that's pretty descriptive. Um, abundant Pus and bountiful vomit so you do kind of see this in the periite quest in skyrim but we'll get to that here in a little bit but periite blesses quote-unquote his worshipers with diseases and is considered one of the more destructive princes um yeah i'd say so personal affliction <clears throat> he is typically depicted as a green green four-legged dragon and often takes on the form of one, with the likeness to Akatosh seen as some primordial and curious jest. Periite occasionally appears as ghostly apparitions of vermin, such as Skeevers. The coiling snake-like dragon and the Skeevers are two of Periite's most sacred symbols. The Nordic goddess Kine is said to give Periite the spirits of Skeevers when they die. Periite is considered one of the weakest princes. Some unfortunate Dramora curls and catalyphs find themselves in the employ of the Taskmaster. Periite's summoning day is the ninth of Rain's hand, but can in, but in incense can be created from vampire dust, one silver ingot, a deathbell flower, and a flawless ruby that allow one to communicate with the prince. That's actually how you get his attention in Skyrim. But again, we'll get to that. His enemies are Ebonarm, as always, Boethia, Vermina, and Mephala. Periite's breath purposely pollutes both cloud and pool. Periite is in charge of keeping Daedrons, uh, chaotic creation, imbued with su sufficient purpose 
and function from the exertion of Daedric and mortal will from causing damage in Oblivion, mainly through events known as Realm Rips, which might be something I have to cover at some point. When asked, Fanuitens tutor Riparius says that trying to keep ahead of it all keeps Perii mightily mighty busy, but nobody really feels sorry for him. He then goes on to say that Perii earned it. Despite his weak reputation, his plagues have often been deemed dangerous enough to potentially wipe out all of Tamriel. May have been involved in the creation of the Thrasin plague. I would not be surprised with that at all. Developed by the Slowed, uh, but I'm sure he did have influence on that. It was pretty nasty. Uh, peri- uh, yeah, go te- check out my Daedric, or I'm sorry, the Deadly Diseases of Tamriel episode if you haven't already, which you probably have. Periite often takes polite or formal tone when dealing with mortals. Instead of reacting with rage when rejected, he keeps a cool head. Rot is sometimes bes- described by the Arabisim, uh, Arabenismsim. Arab- um, I, I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. I probably butchered the hell out of that. Um, but that tribe... And we'll, we'll talk about them in a second here. Um, as the touch of Periite. So yeah, let's talk about that. Arabenimsum. I Yeah. <clears throat> so they are one of the four distinct, distinct tribes of Ashlanders of Vardenfell in the province of Morrowind. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you deal with them in the uh, events of the... Uh, ESO. You do uh, deal with them in the events of ESO. There's a blight plague that is really the main quest of the uh, part, well, at least part of the main quest of the Ebonheart Pact. So uh, yeah, that there's a big plague going on that's turning people into zombies. But uh, yeah, if you've played the uh, Ebonheart Pact quest line in ESO, then you probably come across that um but you also deal with them in uh Marwind, in the game Marwind. so um there is a uh, circle of gulagans uh, gulagans that, that brought fear and violence to this tribe and they are seeking to start a war with other tribes so you're what you're doing is you're trying to bring peace among the Ashlanders and you're trying to get the Ashlanders to acknowledge you as the Nerevarine. So yeah, um, that is the Arabenism um, Yeah, I, I can't pronounce that. I tried, but I apologize. So let's talk about uh, the worship of Periite before we talk about the things that he's done in recorded history. So, Periite's followers preach the wonders of their prince and the mysteries of the divine Skeever. They would be glad to con- contract the disease and die in their own filth as Periite intended. Uh, okay then. I, that says a lot about what they think about Periite. It's like, yeah, he asked me to die in my own filth, so I'm going to do that. Let's, let's go do that. That sounds fun. 
So they see every mo- malady as a blessing from periites, such as fungal infections, scabies, rashes, mucus-filled lungs, itchiness, and irritation in all forms. And tooth decay are some of the many afflictions adorned by these cultists. That sounds like hell. What person gladly does this? Not just does it, but does it with a smile. I I don't know. Um, I wonder if we can find out, or if we can do like a some sort of uh, MRI or something to find out what's wrong with these people. So Periot worshippers are not well known or documented, although there is a book called Dagonists Through the Ages, and two large cults are briefly discussed as the diseased, which are an organization of self-described social outcasts and the natural order, which consists of venerable nobles and aristocrats, arist- Aristocrats, not aristocrats, that's something completely different. Across Tamriel that secretly worshipped the Taskmaster. And an interview with the uh, Frestus of Eleanor and the Lady Cinnabar of Tenet also implies that Periite might have had a minor presence and influence among the dragon cult of Nords due to their veneration of dragon kind. I'm not sure about that, but hey, you know, it's possible, I suppose. There's also a particular group of afflicted that consisted of Bretons located within the reach of Fourth Era 201. I think uh, if you've played Skyrim, you probably have come across that. So Periite's blessing for them was an infection with a plague, although they were also granted some amount of resistance to its effects. They had unusually bright red skin and the ability to spit poisonous vomit at their enemies, but were eventually killed by Periite's champion in his quest to kill the Overseer, which is a Bosmer known as Orchendor. So yeah, this is talking about the uh, quest that you go on in Skyrim. So yeah, he tasks you with basically you know, putting his afflicted out of their misery and he gives you a really nice shield known as Spellbreaker and if you listen to my skit that I did with Mr. KDB my host for Tapes from the Waste I talk about that shield a little bit and we'll get into that here in a few minutes but um, yeah yeah, let's uh, keep going with his followers as crazy as they are so, um, Orchendor was originally from the town of, of uh, Kul Alo in High Rock, A-L-O-U-E. I'm not sure how to correctly pronounce that. They were sheep, uh, shepherded to the Dwemer ruin of Bethardamas. Bethardamas, yeah, gotta love the uh, Dwemer tongue. Orchendor and the afflicted were meant to stand ready, awaiting Periad's command to cover the world with this blessing, but they also worshipped the strange dragonic, uh, draconic totems and brewed tinctures in their worship of Periad. So the afflicted drank solutions that they brewed, which other mortals would call poisons, to heal themselves. So Periad is also the master of tasks in the Lord of Order, and he is a revered spirit with the Reachmen pantheon that can, that shares many characteristics with Akatosh. Maybe that's why he takes the form of a dragon for some people. 
in pivotal ways such as being attributed to time, rigid natural order, and draconic imagery. This has led scholars to conclude that there are many cultural diffusions between early ancestors of men and myrrh in the northwestern parts of Tamriel. To describe Periite as a necessary evil would be a misnomer, for while the reach folk see him as the necessary, they see the good in him maintaining balance as a force of nature. While reachmen may be claimed by blight or plague, they would, will come out of these natural tragedies healthier. So, to build up, so I guess the uh, psychology is get sick so you can build up a natural tolerance to these uh, to these uh, diseases, which uh, I know some people actually adhere to in our world. <clears throat> so this keeps the dangers of overpopulation in check. So that's another part of disease. So if there isn't something to keep population growth in check, it's going to go out of control. So I guess that's where you know the necessity of these diseases come from and why some people think that they're a good thing. So there you go. Now let's talk about things he's actually done in recorded history. So a legend regarding the iridescent dragon frog states that the little amphibians that were once bred of giant green frogs that grew as large dragons. So these frogs envied the Dova's ability to fly, so they sought out Periite to make a pact with them. The Daedric Prince granted their wish, but it came at a price. The frogs got the wings that they wanted, but the size of their bodies was greatly reduced. So they look like little flying yeah, frogs with wings, I guess. They didn't really grow. So, he was uh, pretty active in the second era, like I said. There's a legend, so uh, some people believe that Periide is responsible for the Natin flu, which, again, I can really see that. So, again, check out my uh, episode on the deadly diseases of Tamriel, the first proper episode that I did. But <laughs> I will say that I didn't know how to properly pronounce Nat and Flu at that point in time. So no one really knows what brought the Nat and Flu to Orcast, but some of the natives blame the Argonians, while otherwise, others theorized that Periite was responsible. I would probably go with the latter. In Second Era 582, a pair of Periite worshippers sought to enter the city and gather evidence which they could been to claim that Periite was definitely responsible for the flu. Nothing but nothing substantial came of this investigation, but they found a few scraps uh, parroting the aforementioned theories. An ancient dragon priest named Zan the Scale Caller, that was difficult to say, I don't know why, turned to worshipping Periite after her dragon lord Thorvukin abandoned her. Zan was worthy enough for Periite to grant her a spellbreaker at some point in time. In Second Era 582, a Periite cult took up residence in Scale Collar Peak. The worshipper Zan had and experiment had experiment. The cult worshipped Zan, sorry, um, and experimented with a gruesome disease in hopes of unleashing the plague. They infected the creatures that inhabited the mountain with the disease. Ogres and giants were among these afflicted. 
Their symptoms were glaringly uh, obvious. Uh, God, I really wish I could talk today. It should have been crippling, but the disease unintentionally made them more powerful and excessively aggressive. Zan and Periite, uh, and the Periite cult were stopped by the Undaunted at the behest of Breton historian Jorvald Davox. So this is part of the Undaunted quests, which uh, are big, really they're multiplayer quests, but I need to do more. I haven't really done anything with the Undaunted in ESO, so that might be something I do here pretty soon. So, following her demise, Zan infected Jorvald with her plague with Periite's assistance. It is unknown whether or not Devo, uh, Devox, Devo? I'm gonna go with Devo. Um, so yeah, let's say Devo. It is unknown whether or not Devo found the means to cure himself. So, I hope he did. Um, that would probably be a player choice, so I'm gonna go with yes. In Second Era 582, a group known as Periites Chosen attempted to spread the word of Periite through the cent- throughout Central after the dragons were released from the Halls of Colossus. So that is part of the Elsewhere chapter. In Third Era, let's see, yeah, let's go to the Third Era. In Third Era 433, which is the events of Oblivion, five worshippers of Periite performed a ritual at the Prince's Hidden Shrine located along the banks of the Silver Ridge. Silverfish River in Cyrodiil. The spell was intended to summon Periite, but instead the souls of the worshippers were sent to the pits where they became trapped. The champion of Cyrodiil stumbled upon the motionless bodies of worshippers by the shrine and was tasked by Periite to travel to the plain of the pits to recover their souls. The plain consisted of of a volcanic island inhabited by many Daedra, with a Bloodwell Tower and a series of volcanic caves called the Sightless Grotto. The champion rescued the souls of the worshippers and returned them to Tamriel to earn the prince's favor. I don't know if I've done this. Um, I know that there are at least a couple of the Daedra quests that I still haven't done because in Oblivion you have to be a certain level to get the quest to do them. So I don't, I mean, I'm sure that I've got the quest at some point, but uh, also you have to ask around the townsfolk to see if there are any data shrines that they know of. So that's another way to get the quest. So I don't know if I've done Periite's quest in Oblivion. I am familiar, I've heard of the Sightless Grotto, but I don't know if I've actually done Periite's quest. That's another thing I need to do. But I am very familiar with Periite's quest in Skyrim, and we kind of talked about it earlier. So um, you do kill Orchendor, and his soul is sent to the pits, and Periite punished him for his disobedience. So yeah, he abandoned Periite. He was a champion of Periite, and then abandoned him. So um, Periite wanted revenge, so he sends you to kill him and all the other afflicted in there. And then he wants to I guess start a new group of afflicted. So let's talk about the artifacts. Uh, we already mentioned Spellbreaker. That is the best known artifact of uh, Periite. So it is basically a dwarven tower shield that not only protects you from physical damage, but also spell damage. 
So, yeah, I, I kind of mentioned this in the skit that I did with Mr. KDB on the Talos episode. So, not only, like, you mainly get it in Skyrim. Um, you can, I think you can get it in ESO also, at least in a quest or two. But in Skyrim, like I said, it not only it protects you from physical damage, but it also reflects magic uh, back at the user. So it, it, it even include they that is um, the magic part also includes dragon shouts. So if you're fighting a dragon and the dragon is about to shout at you, you whip out the shield and then it protects you from the dragon shout. So it is very useful. And that is why I do Periodic's quest in Skyrim as quickly as I can so I can get that shield. Because again, it is really is probably my favorite shield in the game. So it's also it is said that this shield still searches for its original owner um, and will not remain the property of anybody for very long, except its original owner, which I would guess would be Zan. So it does say here that the shield was uncovered by the Eternal Champion during the Imperial Simulacrum, which would be your character in arena so it did uh have a bit in arena there and it uh says here that spellbreaker is also in morrowind so the weekend uh, vampire masterius was discovered by a fellow vampire who agreed to free him and spellbreaker was found in the dwemer ruins of uh Thuland. i'm guessing there's no uh, that's a silent beat there Bethuland, maybe, um, near the skeleton of its previous owner who had died in a cave-in. So you can get it in Morrowind also. That's really cool. So it also says that uh, during the events of the Warp in the West, an agent of the Blades contracted, contacted Periite in search of power. So I guess it's in uh, Daggerfall also. That's really cool. So let's talk about some of the other artifacts attributed to Periite. So um, there is, uh, none of these are really well known, but there's also the Bilious Sensor, the Toxic, Toxic Cruf, Tox, Cruciform, God, that was really hard to say, Tox Cruciform, that is a very, very difficult word, and the Golden Scarab, that's easy enough to say. They were last known to be in the Gazmod, the collector's possession. Although these theories have not been validated or elaborated upon by any other sources other than um, the, sorry, two other artifacts attributed to Periite are the Denstagmer's Ring and the Mirror's Hand of Truths. They are briefly mentioned by an interviewer during the second era whose information may or may not be reliable. So let's, uh, there's something here about the Denstagmer's ring. So it is very mysterious, of course, although all that is known about it is that it grants the user protection against various types of elemental harm. Even the name Denstagmer is a mystery. So it is uh, apparently in Morrowind here. It says circa era 
Uh, third era of 427, the Nerevarine reportedly found the ring in a ceremonial ash urn belonged to a D. Bryant in the Phallus Ancestral Tomb, which is located in the western Gash region of Ardenfell. So the ring was later lost, and it was found in a body of water by the last dragonborn while fishing in Circa Era 421. So that has to be part of the Fishing Creation Club at... Um, mod that is part of the anniversary edition now so there you go um if you find that ring let me know if um like what it does because i have not found it myself that's pretty cool all right so let's talk about periodite's realm of oblivion which as you probably guessed is called the pits so it is created and ruled over by periodite here, Periite guards are the lowest orders of Oblivion, and what is, uh, what little that has been seen of the realm resembles the Deadlands. So it's got lava, seas, volcanic islands, and ruined structures. It is usually completely inaccessible to mortals, but there have been several exceptions to this. So let's see here. In 4th era, I'm sorry, 3rd era 433, there are five worshippers of Periite that performed a witch ritual at the Prince's Hidden Shrine, which is located in the Silver Fish River, which I mentioned earlier. The spell was intended to summon Periite, but instead the souls were all sent to the pits where they became trapped. So, yeah, I mentioned all this earlier. You have to go and rescue them. So which apparently gains his favor. So they get sent to the pits, and Periite apparently wants you to get them the hell out of there. So, yeah, there isn't really anything else on here other than um, you send Hortender to the pits, which I mentioned earlier. There is a picture, um, which I'm guessing is from Oblivion. Let me click on this here. Okay, I'm not 100% sure. It could be from Oblivion. It could be from ESO. Um, it just says a portal to Cyrodiil from Periodite's Realm. So I'm not 100% sure if that means it is, in fact, from Oblivion. I don't remember going to Periodite's Realm, or if I did. Actually, no, I probably... No, you, you do go to... Uh, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, you, if you're going to rescue those... Uh, priests then yeah you would have gone to the pits in in uh, oblivion so i really need to get on doing that quest because i would really like to see the pits although from this picture i will agree it doesn't really look anything different than the deadlands so same sky same uh, crumbling structures that look a lot like the towers that you see in in uh, oblivion in the Deadlands, so yeah, um, I guess there's really not much else to say about Periite. So there is a note here that says an otherworldly location called the Pit of Pestilence appears in Elder Scrolls Blades, although it is unknown if there's any connection to the pits. Um, Periite's realm. So yeah, um, I guess there's really nothing else to say about Periite. Other than Spellbreaker is an amazing sword, and he is the Daedric Lord of Pestilence and Disease. So, I personally don't see the appeal of Periite. 
Um, I know that I don't like dealing with uh, pestilence and disease, and I'm sure you would all agree. So yeah, let's uh, let's call it a day on periites. So next up would be sanguine. So yes, next up will be sanguine. I'm really looking forward to talking about him because two of my favorite quests in, or yeah, my two, one of my favorite quests in Oblivion and one of my favorite quests in Skyrim has to do with sanguine. So. That'll be a lot of fun. So definitely looking forward to talking about Sanguine next episode. So I would like to thank The Hive, as always, for sponsoring this podcast. And if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at iangold08. That is my personal page. And you can find the show's page at P. And if you would be so kind as to leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and now Spotify, I would greatly appreciate it. And if you leave a review with some texts on Apple Podcasts, I don't think you could do that on Spotify. But if you leave me a review with some texts, I will read it aloud on the show. So, yes, uh, do me a solid and help me out with that. So yes, I am going to get out of here, and as always, stay safe, adventurers.